in the, in the service, Wednesday night, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, didn't matter. I'd be in the service, and uh, I might be thinking not anything about the service, but, man, what? Yeah, I'm going to get my rollerblades out today. Do you know I could rollerblade? I got 360, and I could even grind, Bruce. Crazy. That's harder these days. But I'd be thinking about rollerblading. I'd be thinking about uh, my, me and my friends are going to go out to eat. Um, uh, we, we would, every Monday night, we would go soul winning. But we'd go to Red Robin afterwards, almost always Red Robin. M- my biggest desire was to go to Red Robin, but all my friends were going soul winning, so I went with them. Right? So oftentimes we go to church. Uh, maybe that's where our friends are. And we're not, and we're, when we're focusing on what we're doing after church, not thinking about what God can do for us. I was guilty of that so many times, and I'm not above that any time in the future, same as all of us. I would hope that in the next 20, 30 minutes that we would be focusing on our hearts, not what we're doing later today, not what we're doing tomorrow, whatever we're going to eat at Brother Scott's house on his grill tomorrow at 2 o'clock. No, I'm kidding. Don't go because he didn't invite us. <laughs> but on the other, but 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 what we ought to be doing is is sitting in the pew. This this should happen every day and before the service starts. But sitting in the pew, whether our eyes are closed or not, but through the singing to the offering, through whatever, through the announcements, even saying to our hearts, Lord, pray that you move in my heart this morning. Lord, I pray that help me to focus on you. I just want to worship your name. I am nothing and you're everything, Lord. I pray that it be nothing in vain this morning. Help me to not think about anything else that I'm doing today, but to focus in on your word and what you would have me to understand this morning. And if we'd have that mindset and attitude, Miss Tammy, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit can do it. You say, well, the Holy Spirit can do it every once. That's actually not true. Holy Spirit's not going to speak to your heart if you don't let it because we have a free will. Amen. If you got your Bibles this morning, amen, can you turn to Exodus chapter 17 and Hebrews chapter 12. Exodus chapter 17 and Hebrews chapter 12. And right now, everyone's thinking about rollerblading and thinking about eating, grilling at Brother Scott's house. Amen. I was thinking about your rollerblading. Amen. It's hilarious. Um, fun fact, I was rollerblading one time and got picked up by the police and they took took me to the police station in the back of the car. It's a fun story for later. Amen. Now you're going to be thinking about that all service. What a not smart preacher I am, Miss Jessica. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. It says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord. The wilderness of sin, not really necessarily talking about their hearts, it's a place, right? And pitched in Rephidim, and there is no water for the people to drink. And, and it's, no, it's worth noting here that the children of Israel were, were where they were supposed to be. Okay, just to bring things in context. They were where they were supposed to be at this time. Verse 2. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide with me? Wherefore did ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there, uh, there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? We get so dramatic in our rebellion. You know, Mom and Dad, you trying to kill me? 
That's how we deal with the Lord. The pastor's so worse with the standards. The pastor's so awful with his whatever. Because rebellion always brings drama. And when you're in rebellion, you will always be drawn to drama. Verse 4, Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, who hath thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go. <coughs> Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel. And because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Brother Rob, would you open this message in a word of prayer? Amen. Look at verse 7 one more time. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, and because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and I have it highlighted here, it says, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? That word Massa means testing. The meaning of names are important, especially in the Bible. Massa means testing, and Meribah means quarreling. And can, can I just say that you don't name a, a place unless it's a, a major milestone in your life. Moses said to God, they were ready to stone him. They were ready to kill him. <laughs> and here you have the, 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 the children of Israel literally questioning if God is with them at all. How rebellious and dramatic and childlike is that? That's like a child not getting their way and saying, does mom even love me at all? I don't even think my dad loves me because he's not giving me what I want. And you say, well, man, I gave my children a home and they eat good and I drive them to school and I drive them to basketball and basketball practice. I do all these things. I bend over backwards. I give my life for my children, yet they whine and complain. I don't have to draw the comparison. We do the same to God. We don't have it just God does he bends over backwards. He gives his son to die. He, he literally allows himself to be tortured on a cross. And we have the audacity to say, is God even with us at all? What's wrong with the world? It's all, it's all no, nothing. While we're spoiled brats, ignoring everything that the word of God says. Say, Pastor, I could go on TV and watch... Uh, Joel Osteen, he doesn't call us brats. I'm saying we act like spoiled brats. I'm putting myself in the bunch. Then, of course, all is well. As soon as the people get water, then all's right with the world, like a crying baby, right? And you say, well, Pastor, they were probably really, really thirsty. I fully understand that. I fully understand that. 
But when crisis comes, we don't point to God and say, how dare you? Are you even here at all? Are you even with us? Just because our flesh doesn't have what we want. But that's what we do because we're so fleshly. Phil Skipper once said, I had to write it because I forget it. God isn't sitting around up in heaven drinking Maalox and chewing Rolades because of stress. God not only knows your needs, church. He, he knew your needs before they were even needs. God didn't wake up this morning and, and what happened during the night. No. Your problem didn't even occur to God. Because you already knew about it before it happened. Nothing occurs to God. He's all-knowing. And you have the children of Israel. They were thirsty. And man, we know what it's like to be thirsty. There's nothing better than ice-cold water on a hot day, man. You're, you're, especially when you're dehydrated. I mean, you feel it go all the way down. Whew, nothing better than that. Then after that, a Gatorade. But we'll stick with the water. Amen. Amen. But we all know what it's like to be thirsty, and God knew that they were thirsty, and God knew what he was doing. Did you, did you ever think, oh Christian, that the world doesn't revolve around you? And did you ever think, oh Christian, that maybe you haven't arrived at the spiritual pinnacle that we think that we are at? And that maybe God's just trying to mold us and make us into what he wants us to be, what we could be, but we don't want to go through the suffering that's involved. Because we think it's unfair. We think it's unjust. We think that we deserve something else because we're so-and-so. Let's get that rebellion out. Let's just say, Lord, whatever it is you would have me to go through, I want to give you the honor and I want to praise your name through it. Now the Holy Spirit can do a work in their hearts. Amen. Amen. The children of Israel were alive in our day. And if this, this were happening in, in, in 2023, amen, um, the children of Israel would start a, a marketing campaign. They would start a, a, a political campaign to, to smear God's name through the mud because they weren't getting their way. The headlines would read, God doesn't care about the babies. God ignores the cries of the widows. Uh, where is God when all seems lost? Uh, God's people left for dead. That's what we do. We put up these, you know, bait things to get you to make a quick emotional decision. You know, we see that with every presidential race, every commercial. We're going to bait you. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen commercials for the opposing side that, that, I, that I disagreed with. And I thought, man, that commercial makes me want to vote for them. Or a worded law, that, uh, a proposal that you're reading, and it's like, and you're like, I'm trying to understand this proposal, and it makes it sound like it's good. Proposal seems right. Then you do a background check on it, you realize, oh, they worded it that way to, they're putting sugar on some tar, right? Amen. Let me get off that hobby horse. But it, but, but the children of Israel, if they were to have a a marketing campaign, it would be absolutely to smear the name of God. We have the benefit of today looking back and we can see that God's hand of protection was all over the children of Israel long before they were even in bondage for 400 years. God knew all about it before he even 
made them a nation out of no nation. Who can do that? God. He literally created a people. Abraham wasn't even a Jew. But God made him the father of all of them. Brother Bob, only God can do that. We, we, we couldn't do that in our wildest dreams. Man, man couldn't even come up with nothing like that. Amen. But the children of Israel had more to be thankful for than just 400 years of bondage and to now be freed from that. 400 years of bondage. Yet they complained about the God of Abraham seemingly all the time. God would do such great things for them. Then they complained. They complained some more. And we can look back at them and we can, we, it's like we're watching their lives. Turn to Hebrews 12.1. Our lives too are being watched. Much like the children of Israel. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. People will often look to that verse to justify loved ones gone before looking down on us. And Scripture doesn't give us much information about that. But what we do know is, is there are angels. They're interested in seeing what's happening concerning salvation. There's fallen angels that are watching us to see what we're going to do. <clears throat> Satan, amen, watching to see what we're going to do. Our family's watching us, our church family's watching us to see what we're going to do, where we're going to go, what our priorities are. Our co-workers, all the same, they're watching us. We are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. That doesn't mean there's a bunch of angels up in the sky on a big cloud overlooking us. Uh, not necessarily that, but we're being watched, Amen. Your Hebrews, let's keep looking. Let's not stop at verse 1. Let's finish the rest of it. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, before the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Man, we could preach that one line all night. Despising the shame, and to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Did, did, did you catch that last line? It says, lest ye be worried and faint in your minds. How do we avoid being worried and faint in our minds? By keeping our eyes on Christ. By feeding the spiritual man. Oh, we're good at feeding the physical man. But we don't like feeding the spiritual man because feeding the spiritual man is a weariness to the flesh. We don't like to deny our flesh. Amen. Truth is that when trouble comes our way, we've got no excuse to worry and fret, church. We can look back at children of Israel and say, man, I know you were probably absolutely dehydrated, super thirsty. Your children and your babies were thirsty. But you had no reason to fret. God was molding you and making you. God wanted them to be thirsty. God wanted them to suffer. They just didn't want to suffer. We don't like growing. So we have to deny all of our sinful tendencies that we do. Amen. We don't like that. 
Man, life happens. Bills come that we don't expect. Things don't go as planned. Man, our, our kitchen, we had to redo. I didn't have the time for it, Brother Bruce, or the money. Life happens. You struggle with your marriage. Uh, there's depression, and the, 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 the baggage from your latest valley will, will drag you down. Your body doesn't allow you to work like it once did. I've been chopping trees and cutting cutting wood and, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Miss Rhonda, I used to give 120%, and I'd go from dark to dark and not even stop. But, man, I'm, like, taking water breaks and sitting down. <laughs> I'm not what I used to be, Brother Shine. Amen. Amen. That's, amen. <laughs> amen to that. Amen. And all of our problems never occurred to God because he already knew about them. Jeremiah 29, 11, if you're not already there, Jeremiah 29, 11, He said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He, he, he said, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Some will say, well, that doesn't apply to us, because that's the, uh, not the dispensation of grace. He's talking to Israel. He's absolutely talking to Israel. Israel. But, but the principle is absolutely all throughout Scripture. Genesis to Revelation. Amen. God has an expected end for his people, and he knows the thoughts and intents of the heart all over the New Testament. I'll just add to that while I'm on that horse. It says, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all your what? Heart. It wasn't a works issue in the Old Testament. It was still a heart issue. Let me move on. Turn to Psalms chapter 46, verse 1. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. David had this to say about the comfort of an almighty God. Looks like we're all about there. Psalms 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with, swell, with the swelling thereof. Selah. If you don't know what Selah means, it's not a name. It's a, it, 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 it's it's a word that says, pause and meditate on what you just read. Dwell upon it. The next verse says, there's a river. <clears throat> the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. Say that right early. What's that mean? That's an old-timey way of saying those who prepare those who get it right early, those who start the day off, start the day off looking to the Lord. What a testimony it is to start your day with the Lord. What an effect it has on the rest of your day when you start the day with the Lord. Sometimes things can look pretty bleak. We've all been there. We spend all of our time in front of the news outlets. We're all going to die because we're of the latest diseases. We live in a constant state of worry. 
bubonic plague hit the world in the 1340s and 50s. It was also called the Black Death because gangrene would set in and it turned the, the skin black. And that would pop up all throughout the Middle Ages, disease that we see. This man by the name of Martin Luther that lived through one of those outbreaks in the, around the late 1400s, not Martin Luther King, no. Martin Luther King was named after this Martin Luther King, amen. But, but Martin Luther, the name that is synonymous for starting for what we call the Reformation. If you weren't in Sunday school, we touched on that and what the Apocrypha was and, 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 and why we do not pray for the dead because it is not scriptural. Um, that is a Catholic teaching and a, a Catholic-only teaching, amen. But that's, that was in Sunday school. Let's get on with the message. But this Martin Luther, we certainly wouldn't agree on everything, Brother Rob. Absolutely not. But we do agree on salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ alone and the word of God, and the word of God's unchanging, unwavering truth. And particularly, the sale of indulgences is what put Luther over the edge, particularly that one. He was, he was fed up with doc, uh, Catholic doctrine and it was just driving him crazy, the, the things that they were uh, 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 teaching in the Catholic churches. And, and when they added the sales of indulgences, uh, that just put him over the edge. And, and you say, well, what is that? That's when you give money to the priest and he'll say extra prayers for you and guarantee you things that he has no business doing. Reminds me of Balaam. Amen. Martin. Martin Luther also believed that all born-again believers were priests in the sight of God. That didn't go over well with the Catholic Council. Amen. Oh, there's a lot we would stand with uh, with Martin Luther. There's, there's quite a number of things that we wouldn't agree on. Uh, We've got to remember, uh, um, um, you might have been raised with some presuppositions that may not be scriptural. And I would dare say, humbly, that Martin Luther the same way. Raised in a Catholic home, raised in a Catholic church, taught Catholic doctrine. He had a lot of presuppositions. But it was when he started reading the Word of God that he realized they're not teaching right on that. They're not teaching right on that. They're not teaching right on that. Then you had the Reformation that was started thereafter. Amen. I keep going back to Sunday school and I'm trying not to. Turn to First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. First Peter 2, 9. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. First Peter 2 9, who's he speaking to? Well, that's the believer. You can't even say he's speaking to Israel. That's talking to the believer, the born again Christian. But ye are a chosen generation, that's you if you've been born again, a royal priesthood, and holy nation of peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of uh, darkness into his marvelous light. Boy, the Catholic Council didn't like to acknowledge that verse, because they wanted you to bow down to the priests and go confess to the priests. They don't want you to be the royal priesthood as a believer. Martin Luther and his wife during the bubonic plague and in uh, the, their, their response to it was not, we need to go up in our homes and lock the doors and not see anybody because we might get sick. Um, can, I, can I say this, that God's not interested in our best life now? 
oh, it sounds good, your best life now. It's not scriptural. It's even antichrist. Because that caters to the flesh. Our best life is not now. It's then over in glory. That's when our best life is. Amen. The more suffering that, that may come in this life for the cause of Christ will be greater in the life to come. Amen. But Martin Luther and his wife wrote this song during the pandemic of his time. I don't know how the tune goes, but I'm going to read uh, two of the verses like, a, like as if it were a poem. It says, a, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. The word above all earthly powers, no thanks to him, to them abide. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who, will, who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. What's your response to COVID? What's your response to an illness? What's your response to any valley that you go through? Say, okay, Satan, I'm going to let you have this victory. I'm, not, I'm going to quit serving God here, 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 and here. But no, we have the opportunity, a different opportunity here, 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 and here to serve the Lord in ways that we didn't have before. Just like the children of Israel had a choice to make and to complain, to grumble, or to serve God, so did Martin Luther. He served God through the storm. He, he and his wife didn't huddle up in their home and tell the world good luck. He stayed faithful, even if it meant being uncomfortable, even if it meant getting sick, adjusting how he ministered and spread the gospel, even if that meant losing his life. I just can't see Paul stop spreading the gospel in case he got the flu. Right. The children of Israel literally had no water for days. And they turned their back on God and were literally ready to stone Moses, the man of God. They really showed their heart. We see inflation affect our wallets and we question God as if it never occurred to him. I knew what inflation was going to happen. Amen. Turn to Matthew 8, 23. Matthew 8, 23. Let's fast forward a thousand years and we'll wind down the message. Amen. Matthew 8, 23 says, And when he was entered into his ship, talking about uh, um, uh, Jesus here, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto him, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The disciples here had a choice to make. They could worry and they, they could fret, expecting that they were all going to die. Or they could realize that the master had everything under control. Even if that meant the ship was going down. Even if the children of Israel, so dehydrated 
And trust me, we may, we don't know the, the, the they, they were in what I call the symptom of their sin. And we, we may not even know the, 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 the struggle that they went through and the pain and suffering that they went through. We may have never been as thirsty as they were. But it doesn't matter. They began to curse God, curse the man of God, ready to kill the man of God, and throw, throw everything that God ever did for them outside the window, out the window just because they were uncomfortable, because they were thirsty. Martin Luther dealt with the bubonic plague in his lifetime, and he was found faithful to the ministry that God had called him. Pastor Greg McFadden, I went out to pizza with him the other night, and, and he made the joke, uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be hilarious if, if we just, as pastors, we just, we just went out to breakfast and didn't go to church on Sunday morning. And, and the whole church would be like, hey, where'd the pastor go? We'd be like, oh, well, we slept in and we just decided to go to breakfast. We said, that's crazy. You're the pastor. And as a pastor, I would say, that's crazy. You're children of God. How can you not be in the house of God? My desire is to be in the house of God every chance that I get. We today live in a culture Cancel culture, general, gender, whatever you want to be, culture. And tomorrow it's going to be something else. Then it'll be something else. It, there will always be some sort of uh, um, 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 anti-Christ, anti-gospel thing going on. There will always be a valley in your life. There will always be a, a, some drama going on. But what are you, how are you going to handle it? I'm going to stay away from the house of God. I'm going to quit going to church. I'm going to, I'm going to not even uh, 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 draw closer to the Lord or study the Word of God to see what He says about any of these topics. Or I'm going to get out my Bible. I'm going to start studying, not just read them. I'm going to study, really understand. What's God say about plagues? What's our duty for the gospel? What are we, you know, how are we supposed to be faithful? Why do we go to church on Sundays? Do we have to go to church on Sundays? We go to church on Sundays. Why do we have Sunday school? What does the Bible say about these things? We have, a, we, have a, we have an obligation as children of God, as Christians, to study this for ourselves. So often we don't. Church, our lives are an open book and people are watching. Angels are watching. Fallen angels are watching. Our families are watching. Our children are watching. Our co-workers are watching. But it never occurred to God once. Because he already knew about it. Whatever the problem is. God knows our hearts. He doesn't need to, uh, uh, to test us or to try us as much as we think he does. But God will bring, bring, he brings us through valleys to bring to fruition his heart's desire. It's so selfish when we say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know why God allowed this for to happen. I don't forget all that. God allow it. God allowed it, O oh Christian, for you to grow in the Lord. Stop making excuses for why this and why that. Just allow it to happen and grow. For the Christian, maybe the suffering is just to see how many. How many pots will gather for oil? Maybe God put something in front of us just to see how much our faith is. 
then, 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 then we have this mindset, I'm not going to bring my kids to church. We have this mindset, I'm not going to pass out tracts. We have this mindset, I'm not going to do whatever. Then you're in the church service, and man, God's just moving, and God's speaking to your heart. Then you're thinking, Lord, why didn't I bring my children? There might be a revival, or somebody might get saved over there. You see something happening, you're thinking, man, I should have brought some tracks to my work. Man, I could have, I could have gave the gospel to somebody. I, I, I'm not even part of that. The lost person. Showing them the need of a Savior. Demonstrating with love the importance of being born again. I, I get the analogy. If somebody, uh, brother, I've said it before. It's a good analogy. Brother Hicks says it. If, if, if somebody has cancer, are, are you going to give them the, the, don't you want to give them the cure? Um, Brother Joe would all, all often say, even while street preaching, um, even if you got to knock them down to tell them the truth, to, to, to choke them, to tell them. And that sounds good, but the fact is, we don't respond that way. <laughs> I wouldn't respond that way. If somebody gets in my face, I'm annoyed with them already. So what do we do, Miss Rhonda? With love, we give them the truth. With love, we start a conversation. With love, and show them our hearts through our actions. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. I brought this up yesterday talking with somebody. There are Christians that say God doesn't love sinners. He only loves his children. That's a complete fallacy. I don't care how smart you are in the Bible. That's fallacy. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us while we were, he commended his what? His love. While we were yet what? Sinners. God loves sinners. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, For he saith, I have heard, heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation. I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. We take for granted that we have church on Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday school, Sunday night. We take for granted for that. Does it will always be there? But yet when COVID happened, I had so many Christians saying, man, I wish I was in the house of God. Wish we were in church. And the first Sunday we had church after COVID, this place was filled up. But then once it was there, people went back to being home. Because we take for granted the love of God. I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. Or I'm a saved sinner. But I'm still a sinner. There's still thoughts that come into my head that are sinful. There's still things that I don't do but I should have done because I knew I should have. Therefore, it is sin. I'm a sinner, Brother Bob. And I need to get, amen, and I need to get that right. We ought to be getting it right daily. But I tell you, we have an altar here right now. You might got something in your life you need to take care of. You might have a burden on your heart that you want to pray for somebody over we ought to have a burden on our hearts that we want to pray for somebody. Amen. I just remind you this altar is always open. Amen. Let's... Uh